All right. Okay, okay. Who's ready to read some Bible today? All right. Let's. Uh, you know what? Um, we're gonna um, we're gonna be in uh, a couple of different places today. In Matthew eight is gonna be our first uh, scripture, um, and then um, then we're gonna move into John fourteen, and, and we're gonna go through a lot of that actually. Um, so please, um, if you're if you're um, able, uh, open your Bible to Matthew chapter eight, um, and we're gonna go through a little bit of that, and, and, and then and then we'll move on to the other scripture. Now, um, this morning, uh, I want to focus uh, on, on who God is and, and what he provides for us. And uh, the, t- the title of today's message is A Home for Orphans. And uh, I want to speak about our, our need for God, um, our need for a real home. This is about us. More importantly, it's about God and how we respond to Him after we realize and know and experience in real time, in real life, what He's done for us and what He's provided. Now, throughout the years here, we've learned about the King that we have in Jesus. I, I've preached a message before called A Different Kind of King. Um, I, I, I often refer to Jesus as a different kind of King. That's one of the things that we've, that we've gone through here. Because he is. He's, he's a different kind of king. He's not a king like the world's kings. He's not a king um, um, like those we see on the TV. Um, he, he's not a king like those people of, of his day uh, were used to 2,000 years ago. And uh, he's a king because, because he's a king who, who lived to die. He's a king who lived to serve and to sacrifice He's a king who, who lived to love and who lived out of love, as love is the essence of God himself. First uh, John tells us that God is love. He's a different kind of king because of the love that he supplies, because of the love that exists within him, because of the love that emanates from him, and because of the love that we can experience as, uh, we, are, uh, as we believe in Jesus Christ by grace through faith. You see, Jesus... He lived to die serving the very people who had betrayed him and the very people that failed to recognize who he was. They existed and lived in a world that he created, yet they didn't know him. They cast him out. He didn't come into this world wearing a crown of gold, but rather he would die instead, right? Wearing a crown of thorns uh, that was mockingly placed upon his head while being tortured so that he would die in agony and die in shame. Because this is what the world wants for Christianity. The world wants Christianity to die in agony and shame. The, the world wanted Jesus Christ to die in agony and to die in shame. And so they did to him what they did to him. But it was through the agony and the shame of the cross. It was through the sacrifice of the cross instead that God would save all of those people who would give their lives to Jesus. The Bible tells us in many places about how Jesus would come into the world, and remarkably, these verses in the Old Testament were written hundreds of years before Christ would uh, come into the world and, and be born as Emmanuel, the baby Jesus, born in a manger to a young virgin girl, or born and placed into a manger uh, to the young virgin girl named Mary in the line of David in the tribe of Judah. 
Among those verses that tell us that he was nothing to look at and be admired in the Old Testament, we have also these sections in the New Testament about how he would live in this world and the importance that he would place in this world and the things of this world. How important are the places of the world and the things of the world? How important is the material of the world? Jesus tells us he leaves nothing up to our imaginations. He's very clear. You see, Jesus would be given no quarter in this world by its inhabitants. And now to be, to be clear, to be given no quarter is a, is a phrase that means that he wouldn't have a place to stay. He would not have a place to stay. He would be killed. Uh, the, the word quarters likely, likely taken from the word quarters or barracks uh, in the military. To be given no quarter meant that they were done away with. They had no quarter, no quarters, no barracks, no home, no place to stay. They were not prisoners of war. They were not kept imprisoned. They were not captured, held for ransom. They were killed. They were done away with. They were given no quarter. Jesus was given no quarter. Jesus communicates this with his followers on many occasions, telling them that he was going to die, or like in John 14, um, that in a little while that they wouldn't, wouldn't see him anymore because he was going to go to his father. He's clear with his followers that this world that we, that we know, like the one that they knew back then, isn't meant to be a home. It's not meant to be a safe haven for him. Uh, nor the people that would believe in him. In fact, in John 17, Jesus actually prays to his father, uh, not that he would take them out of the world, his disciples or his followers, the people that would believe, but that they would be protected from the evil one while they are in this world. He knew they needed it because of what happened to him, and because of what happened to him, we now know what will happen to those who believe in him, those who follow him. Now, the importance of the ministry of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ himself. The importance of the ministry of Jesus Christ is Jesus Christ. He's important. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the right hand of the Father in glory. He's important. His blood, his righteousness, his atonement for sin, his words, his relationship to the Father and to the Holy Spirit. His wisdom, His teaching, His leading, these are important. But in order to follow Him, we need to know what they were told then. Because the words that, the words that we read in Scripture that were for the apostles or for the disciples then, for those who followed Him, these words would be for us now. You see, this, this world is not His home. And that's what they needed to know. That this world was not His home. And it's not ours. Matthew chapter 8, let's go there in verse 18, would you church? Matthew 8 and 18, when you're there, say amen. All right. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another of the disciples said to him, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, Follow me and leave the dead to bury their own dead. You see, Jesus saw the bigger picture and he desires unqualified commitment to him. 
from those who would follow him. Unqualified commitment. In other words, there's a, we, we don't need to commit to Jesus Christ upon qualifying other things in our life. In other words, let me get this done first. Jesus desires unqualified commitment. Commitment that doesn't have other things placed out in front of it. He was essentially saying to the scribes, so, so, so will you follow me even if this world is not my home? Will you still follow me even if, even if this place is not mine? If, even if I'm not meant to be here on this planet forever, would you still follow me if this world is not my home? What if we cannot lay our heads down in a bed tonight or any night? What if the birds and the foxes have better allegiance to their earthly families than you will to yours in the kingdom uh, of, or, or the, than you will to yours in this world as opposed to your, or your, your kingdom family? And what, what if you must follow me to a life that you've never known where in this world you will not find your home, will you follow me then? We need to know how we would answer those questions, church. And to the second, the disciple who wanted to go back and bury his father first, he's essentially saying, all relationships you've ever known must come second to your relationship with me. This is Jesus. You see, our relationship with Jesus will be unlike anything that we've ever known, and it will take us to places that we've never seen, never imagined, never in our wildest dreams. A relationship with Jesus is different than the relationships we hold in this world. I don't know if you can talk to anybody all day long, but I can talk to God all day long. I've never heard Him tell me to be quiet the way I tell my, my eight-year-old son, it's enough, no more Lego talk. Man, I swear... After the Black Panther guy died, I mean, that's all I heard about for like a day or two. Chadwick Boseman this, Chadwick Boseman that. And I'm like, yes, okay, it's enough. Y'all find yourself in those places, is that just me? Am I the only one that doesn't like to be talked to nonstop all day, every day? Right? That's the way we are, right? It's just, we, we can't, I can't listen to us, you know, at a certain point, it's, 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 that's it. God is not that way with me. I'm so grateful that God is not like me. You see, we, in, in Christ, we become part of a family that we've never known, but, but, but part of a family that we've always craved. And in Christ, we're, we're taken to a home that we've never known, but at the same time, a home that we've always desired. A family and a home we have in Christ. In fact, the, the unsettled feeling that you feel now is the pool of the kingdom of God separating you from this world and your allegiance to it. Anybody ever feel unsettled in this, in this world, in this life? Like something just didn't right? Something just quite unfit? That's the pool of the kingdom you are being separated constantly from this world and your allegiance to it. This pool leaves us unsettled. It changes our outlook. It speaks a better word. This pool of the kingdom calls us out of our own comfort and into the walk with Christ while He teaches us the gospel of God. The pool of the kingdom teaches us about our different king. 
And a relationship with this king demands responsibility and, and demands a, a commitment from us while, whereby we lay aside our comfort, our wants, our pleasures, and our earthly treasures at the chance to follow him. You ever, you ever had a prayer with God where you said, Lord, if, if you'll just help me out of this, I'll, I'll do this. I know a lot of us find ourselves in places like that in life. Why? Because in our heart we understand that there is a desire deep within us that if it were up to our spirit, not our flesh, but our spirit, we have to contend with the flesh so it's hard, but if it were up to our spirit, we'd do anything just at the chance of being saved and following Jesus. Anything. I'll give it all up, God. All of it. I'll give it all up if just I get the chance. Just, if just, Lord, help me. Lord, help me here today. Or deliver me from this, God. And, and I'll follow you in my life. This is the, the condition of our, our, our spirit. This is us wanting God more than anything. And this flies in the face of our flesh that wants to be tied to this, this planet. That wants this world and the trappings of this world. That's been conditioned by this world. For years and years and years before coming to Christ. You see, many people have been following Christ a lot longer than they were not following Christ. And at the same time, many people have not been following Christ as long as they were following after the world. And so we have discrepancies in life within people, in our hearts. Some allow some things in their lives and some don't allow those same things in their lives. We're at a different point in our life with our vision of what sin is and what God hates and despises and what he allows. But rest assured that the mercy of God and the grace of God is changing you from one moment of glory to the next, every step of the way, aligning you with his will and purpose for your life. He doesn't ask us to take up our wallets and follow him, does he? Jesus, take up your wallet and follow after me, right? I didn't hear that one. didn't read that one in the scripture. He doesn't ask us to take up our insurance cards to follow him. He doesn't ask us to, to grab our IDs and our masks to follow him. But he calls us instead to take up our cross daily and follow after him. Not take up your cross quarterly, all right? Not take up your, your cross monthly. Maybe half the time take up your cross. You know, at least half the time he says take up your cross daily and follow after me. Daily. Mm. Let's not forget what the cross was, church. What was the cross? The cross was an instrument of suffering, discomfort, and of sacrifice. The cross was a, a torture device. It was, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was like an electric chair. The, 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 cross was, the cross was... It was meant to destroy. And God saved through it. How amazing is that? that God would redeem an instrument of torture and punishment and shame, a public display, a public humiliation and death, that God would redeem that and make it the most beautiful thing we've ever seen in all of our lives in Christianity. More than that, whenever whoever, whoever takes up that cross, whoever took up that cross, Whoever was placed upon it was never putting it down and never getting off of it. Not alive. Their fate was sealed, wasn't it? 
Once they were put upon the cross, their fate was sealed. In the same way, when we take up our cross to follow after Jesus, our lives are sealed with him for eternity. Once you take up your cross, church, you ain't never putting that thing down, are you? Never. 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 Let's go to Matthew 16. 24. Matthew 16, 24, Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in glory, in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. You see, when we take up that cross, church, because we believe in this different king, we will be given something far greater than what our hearts would dream and our eyes have ever seen. You see, because this sacrifice of ourselves would be the ultimate act of love. Will you love your king? Is Jesus your king? Will you love your king? Will you do it with your life? Will you do it with your stuff? Will you do it with your family? Will you love your king? Will you serve your king? Will you submit to your king? Will you commit to your king? Let's not forget Jesus is a king. He is the king. What shall a man give in return for his soul? Have you ever answered that one? A man or a woman? What will you give in return for your soul? For the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Jesus always has a little bit of a little bit of something in there for you to think about, doesn't he? A little bit of stirring the fear, that righteous fear of God. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. In the Old Testament, we hear of one who's going to come whose delight will be in the who's, who will delight in the fear of the Lord. That would be Jesus. We're given something far greater in Jesus. Let's go to John 14. John 14 and 15. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Y'all know I read this a lot. I want because I want y'all to know. This is what love is. Amen? This is what love is. We we got all kinds of ideas and, and pictures of love in this world that are not love. 
Okay? Love is an emotion, it's a feeling, yes. Because within love we, we have happiness and joy and peace and contentment, right? But love is a choice and it's a commitment. That's what it is. It's a choice and it's a commitment each and every day, no matter how we feel, to continue. That's what love is. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's commitment right there. That's abiding love. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. You see, you see that there? If we love Him, we will keep His commandments. And if that love is present in us, then He will ask the Father, and the Father will give us another Helper to be with us forever. Many people will tell you that all you need is faith to have the Holy Spirit with you, and this is true, absolutely, but what many won't tell you, what many try and hide and suppress, is that faith is commandment-keeping love. Faith is commandment-keeping love. And, and we went over that last week, but just as a reminder, I wanted to mention that again. And he doesn't want us to be alone. You see that there? If you, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will be with you. I will send another to be with you forever. This helper, even the Spirit Right? He doesn't want us to be alone. He doesn't want us to feel alone, to walk alone, to love alone. But this is what drives many relationships here in this world, doesn't it? Even the ones that are dangerous and present problem after problem and abuse after abuse. Because people don't want to be alone. They'll stay in something that isn't good for them. The fear of loneliness or the feeling of loneliness causes people to stay in dangerous situations. And in dangerous relationships, you see, because we've been jaded by the world to think that we need from a human being the very thing that we're supposed to go to God for. Contentment. Togetherness. Relationship unity. Reconciliation. Forgiveness. Mercy. Grace. This is what we need from God. But we seek this in people. And we go after it like, oh... If people in this world went after a relationship with God the way they went after relationships with people, oh man, wouldn't this be different? Don't ever look any further for companionship than true companionship with your Heavenly Father, church. And this comes through a deep and effective relationship with Jesus Christ. You see, because when we have this, all other relationships in this life, they'll fall into place the way that they're supposed to. Love God first. First. Most. And everything else will be as it should. We won't go looking for complete fulfillment from other people. Instead, we will know and experience that true relationships with people all flow out of our relationship with God. They come from that place. And this is how we, we let the dead bury their own dead. 
As Jesus would say, this is how we take up our cross daily to follow after him. This is how we follow in this world, even while knowing that this world isn't our home, that we are pilgrims in this place. It is through our relationship with God that this is done. The communion, the binding, the togetherness that you will have with him is the binding of the Holy Spirit, the one who will be with you forever, that helper that's been sent to be with you forever by Jesus Christ. Again, John 14 and 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You see, the spirit of truth will be with us forever. This means that you're never alone, never, never, not ever. Right? Never alone. The loneliness and despair that you feel in life is not from God unless you are apart from God and separated from God and do not know God. In that case, give your life to God and you will never feel alone, never be alone and know that you cannot possibly be alone ever in this life because of what Jesus has promised. Not moments, not seconds, not ever. Never alone. Let that sink in. Never alone. Never? Never alone. Anybody in here ever felt alone? Yeah. You see, Jesus was, he was leaving them in the flesh. In a little while, they wouldn't see his body anymore. So he was breaking them of the need for his bodily presence and giving them the hope of something else. The hope of the Spirit of God to be with them forever. He's letting them know that there's hope. He's going to go, but there's hope. Because he goes, there's hope. Verse 18, John 14, 18. I will not leave you as orphans. Oh my goodness. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And that day you will know that I am in the Father, in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Wow, look, listen to what he's saying there. Golly, the gravity, the weight, let it sink in. Once the world sees him no more, so once he left, that was a signal for them to know that he was in them and they in him. And they would be able to see something that the world wasn't able to see. Him. That is a mysterious, mysterious teaching there. Once the world sees him no more, once he left, that was the signal for them to know that he was in them. I'm repeating myself, I'm aware. And they in him. They would be able to see him. Him being gone would mean he's alive. 
So what they would perceive as he's gone, he's not here anymore, he's died, he's gone away, he's telling them, no, when I go, that's not what that means. When I'm away, that means I'm here. When I go, that means I'm with you. When you think I'm gone, that means I'm in you. I want you to know so that you will have hope, so that you will not lose, lose, like, lose hope, lose heart in the world. And him being alive would mean life for them because they believed. And this was because they believed. This, is, this was only able to be done through faith in Jesus Christ. Because they believed this was going to happen for them. I want you to know, church, that because you believe, upon believing, this is true for you. You see, they, they would know, he says, they, they would know through faith, they would know. He says they would know. I want to read that again. In verse 20, in that day you will know. You will know. That word is incredibly important, know. Think about the things you know in your life. You think a lot of things, and I know that. I think a lot of things. Oh, and I, I know that deeply. I think things, I have opinions on things, some things might be, I have a certain, I think, you know, we, we think a lot of things, and we, we've got a lot of different, but he's not telling them that they will think that he's in them, he's telling them that they will know. What do I know? I know that I'm a man. I know that I have brown hair. My son says it's black, but it's dark brown, thank you very much. Okay? I know that my eyes are brown, right? I know that I have hair on my arms, that I'm wearing a watch, an old school calculator watch that I really like. I know these things. I know that I have a wife, that I'm married, that I have two children, they're both sons. I know their names. I know that they really frustrate me and annoy me a lot of the time. And I know that I'm a fallen human being and that's why they annoy me so much. And I know that I love them like I've never loved anyone. And I know that I love my wife more than I love anyone on this planet. And I know that I love God. And I know that He is in me. And how do I know that? Because He went and He says, when I go, then you will know. He's telling us that we will know something, church. The world wants you to think all kinds of things, but God wants you to know. Think about the difference there. He says, you will know. It will happen. It's a guarantee. And God is a God of promises and guarantees. He is a God of blessing and a God of love. John 14 and 21, whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. There it is again. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? This is a question that many have. God, why, why choose us and not everyone else? 
I'm not going to get too deep into that one this morning. Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. It's because of the love. That's why. That commandment keeping love, that word keeping love, not everyone's got it. If, any, if Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. You see, he's telling them that they will know him in a way that the world cannot possibly know him. Jesus will come and make his home with them. And interesting, considering that he just told the scribe that he doesn't have a home in this world. How are these two things possible at once? This world is not my home. I will come and make my home with you. How are those two things? There's something in believers that doesn't belong to this world either. I want you to know that. There is something in believers that I can't put my senses on, I can't touch it, I can't see it with my eyes, can't smell it, can't taste it. There's something in believers that doesn't belong to this world either. Notice he makes his home with the believer, in the believer, not in this planet, not in this world, not on this earth, not back in Jerusalem, not in Texas, not... His, his home is in the believer, he says. He, he makes his home with the believer, in the believer, not with the world or in the world. And this is the promise and the mystery of Christ. Let me ask everyone in here a practical question based on this passage. Do you know his word enough to know what he's asking you to keep? Because he says, if you love me, you will keep my words. Do you know that word enough? You know what he's asking you to keep? Verse 22, Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us, not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words, and the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. See, notice what, what they were doing. They, they were asking him questions based on what he was telling them. He was telling them something, then they asked him a question about it so that they could gain understanding. Do you do this in your life? When you don't understand something, church, do you ask questions? Yeah, right? You ask questions. He said something. They didn't understand it, so they asked. They listened, they followed, they questioned for understanding. And why? Because they wanted to keep his words. They wanted to keep his words. I want you to do the same thing. Ask him. Ask him to help you to understand. Ask him to give you the wisdom that you need, the knowledge that you need to understand his words so you would know your God. You see, he took them from what they knew and where they knew it to follow him wherever he may go, no matter where that was. He took them from their lives, their work, to show them a different life, a different king, a different home. He was taking them out of the world while they still resided in it to find meaning not in this world, but to find meaning instead in him. 
Verse 25, John 14, These things I've spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I'm going to the Father for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you that before it takes place, I have told you uh, before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. He's telling them so that when they see it, they'll believe. He said this was going to happen. Don't worry, guys. He said this was going to happen. Don't worry, y'all. He said this was going to happen. He's telling them so that they would believe, so that they wouldn't lose heart. Verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. So, so why does he do what the Father commands him? What was that? So, oh, so that the world may know that he loves the Father. Commandment, keeping love, leading by example. The Holy Spirit will bring to remembrance the words of Jesus, those words he wants us to keep. Which word are you trying to keep? What is he asking you to keep? The Holy Spirit will guide you there in your time of need. But the words must be in us, and we've got to hide them away in our hearts. We we can't do that if we don't read our Bibles, y'all. I remember when I was first reading the Bible, I'd read it for like six hours, eight hours a day. I couldn't stop just getting to know Jesus. I, I I would go to it for everything and for anything in life. I had no life outside the book of the Bible. I didn't. Everything in it gave me life and it made me realize that I had nothing of any real value if I didn't have Jesus. This is what the Bible did for me. The scripture changed me. If you ever ask me, and I will always have the same answers, what was the one thing that changed me? Life in Christ. My life in Jesus. And then I realized what that life was. When I read the pages of the Bible, when I read and let them sink in this word, these words that he asks us to keep and the fact the Holy Spirit helps us keep them is is the peace that Jesus leaves us with. We get so jaded thinking that other books will bring us peace, that other people will bring us peace, that the world will bring us peace, that an earthly kingdom that we rule over will bring us peace, or that a certain outcome in an election will bring us peace. But, y'all, only Jesus can bring us peace. I mean, only Jesus. Only Him. Let not your hearts be troubled, nor let them be afraid, Jesus says. He, he, he doesn't give to you as the world gives, because His gifts are everlasting. His gifts are eternal. They don't, they, don't, they don't decay. They don't rust. They're not going to be destroyed along with the world. God's gifts are eternal. And they bring about peace in this chaos that we live in. 
The world wants to give you money, church. The, the world wants to give you diamonds and gold. It, it wants to give you homes and clothing and men and women to sink lustful eyes into. But the Lord Jesus, He does not give to you as the world gives. The gift of God is peace. Peace I give to you, He says. Peace. Again, verse 31, but I do as the Father has commanded me so that the world, verse 31, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise and let us go from here. Jesus doesn't ask us to do something that he hasn't done himself. I want you to see that there. He will not leave us as orphans in this world. He will bring us with him into his family in the kingdom of heaven. We won't, be, we won't be orphaned. He will bring us with Him into His family in the kingdom of heaven forever. His Father, will, uh, His Father never left Him while He was in this world. And He will never leave us either while we are in this world. Don't you see that He wants us to have what He has. He wants us to have that relationship that He enjoys, that He shares, that He loves. He wants us to have the peace that He lives with that exists in Him. He's the great provider and He provides a great home for all of us. Even as we were orphans without a spiritual father in this world, Jesus came to rescue us and to give us a home and to give us a family forever. He comes to be all that we need. Listen to Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 3. In the same way also, or in the same way we also when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of His Son, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father! So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. My goodness, the beauty and the glory and the majesty of God, the righteousness of God to give to men and women and children who believe a family, a home, something that supersedes everything that we've ever seen in this world, in this life. And Paul echoes this teaching as well if you want to read some more about it in Romans 8. Read that. You see, Jesus doesn't ask us to sit by and wait for the end of the story to play out before we show our allegiance. Let me see how this goes first, and then I'll tell you. you know I'm saying, if Jesus wins, I'm with him. You know what I'm saying? Like those bandwagon fans, you know what I'm saying? And people that like the Patriots. I don't know. I, I don't understand it. Cowboys, baby. We don't need to see the end of the story, do we? But he showed us, didn't he? Where'd he show us? In his word. Those very words that we need to keep as our commandment keeping love. Word keeping love. No matter how crummy things look at times, we follow because we have to realize that we live in the fallenness of this world, and this world is fallen. There was a fall. Y'all know that, right? There was a fall in the beginning, in the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve sinned. 
they rebelled against God after that, the fallenness of mankind. There was death, decay, disease. They entered into the world because of rebellion, because of sin. And because of that sin, we got to contend with things in the flesh every day, don't we? Desires that we know we're not supposed to have. Things that we want that we know we ain't supposed to want. But no matter how, how hard life is sometimes, we stay. Why do we stay? Because of the one we stay with. Because of him. Because of who he calls us to be. Because what he showed us through his life. We cannot ask him to, to wait on us as we go and take care of things in the world before we commit to him. Let me just go and bury my father and then I'll follow you. Or I'll follow you wherever you go. Really? What if this world isn't my home? And what if we don't have a place to lay our head? Will you still follow me then? He asks us to love him now, to keep his commandments now, to keep his words now, so that we can be with him forever now. Now, forever, now. Forever. In our forever home. And now I want to close by listing the Webster definition of orphan. And then I'm going to tell you the promise of hope that we have in Jesus as it relates to that part of the definition. Listen to this. So, number one, orphan. Number one, deprived by death of one or usually both parents. So, someone who was orphaned. Right? Deprived of both parents by death. This is the promise. We are not left as orphans nor deprived of our Heavenly Father because our Lord will never die. Amen? Number two, a young animal that has lost its mother, orphaned. The promise, all of us like sheep have gone astray, but the Lord is our shepherd and we shall not want. Amen? Number three, one deprived of some protection or advantage, orphans of the storm, it says. Okay, the promise, our great Lord Jesus calms the storms with a word and even walks on the waters in the midst of the storms of this world. Our God is different. Number four, this one was interesting to me. A first line, parentheses, as of a paragraph, separated from its related text and appearing at the bottom of the printed page or the column. Northern line, Linda's like this. I, didn't, I had no idea, Linda. She's like, I knew it. Listen. Listen to this promise. Oh, I'm going to read that again. A first line, as of a paragraph separated from its related text and appearing at the bottom of a printed page or column. Here's the promise that the Lord showed me in this. Jesus asks us to keep his words, and by doing so, we will never be left alone. Just a single line somehow related to what was before and to what comes after, but staggering all alone at the bottom of some page somewhere, because our names will be written in the Lamb's book of life, and we will never stand alone again. Your name is in the book, Christian. Your name is in that book. Isn't that amazing? 
there's a book that God wrote, and it's got your name in it. I don't understand why God saved me, but I love him for it. Growing up, I never felt like I fit in in this world. I never fit. I never felt like my life would ever get this far, honestly. I thought I would be dead by the time I was 27. I remember thinking that specifically, and I had that number in my mind. But once I found Jesus, I found what I'd been looking for all along. I found it. I found it. We found it, y'all. We found it. We wanted the answer and we found it. How amazing is that? I pray that once we find Jesus, that all of us would know that we've found, that our search is over and we've found what we've always desired and what we've always needed most of all. Let's pray. God, we, we love you, Lord. Oh, God, we love you. God, I thank you for your word. And God, thank you for asking me to keep it, Lord, for telling me that I, I can love you by keeping it because then I know how to love you, God. Thank you for showing me how to love you, God. God, thank you for, for saving us, Lord. Thank you for coming to rescue us, Lord, for, to, to rescue us and to, to reconcile us to yourself. God, thank you for putting us together, putting us back together for helping us, Lord, to see you and who you are. Thank you, Lord, for not leaving us orphaned in this world, but for giving us a home and a family. And God, I pray that all the orphans in this world will have a home and a family in you. I pray that all those who are feeling lost and alone and afraid right now, Lord, are given a home and a family in you, are called to be by your side, Lord, forever. And Lord, as you call us into that work in the kingdom of heaven, Lord, I pray that we glorify you in that work. Oh God, we love you. Please help us today and every day, Lord to see you for who you really are. In Jesus' name, amen.